There was a sense of needing to shake things up. So that's what we literally physically did. One of the challenges as a couple is convincing investors that couples make good founders. Got married and then we had the family before we then joined together in the company. I think that's really helped us. We do go home and think about work all the time. The secret of working together as a couple is that you just can be honest to each other. Fun, work, pleasure, life. We just throw it all in one big pot. I'm Trisha Bacon and I am very excited to be sharing our second series of Between the Spreadsheets, a selection of conversations with inspirational couples who combine love and work to run a business together. I'm the founder of Couplepreneurs, a growing global community of couples who live together and run a business together. And with millions of couplepreneurs across the globe, we know this is definitely a thing. It's also been really insightful, heartwarming and inspiring to be able to spend time with the couples and to have an opportunity to share their stories. Busting open the myths that exist around couples in business and finding out what it's really like to be a couplepreneur and just how they juggle and integrate work, life, love and everything in between. The secret of working together as a couple, certainly when you are for 10 years together, is that you just can be honest to each other. It's easier to have an open communication. So we're both very direct as a couple. That helps in getting feedback early on as a company, but also as co-founders. In this episode, we meet Jan Derek and Morgan Letton, who started out on their couplepreneur journey just last year in 2019. And they're building Good, which is their new and very exciting health coaching business where they are helping people to live their best lives. The journey they went on to get to this point is, I think, really quite brave and courageous and already starts to bust open some of the myths that exist around being a couplepreneur. And they tell us about leaving the golden cage and its safety, about selling up and embarking on an adventure of exploration that took them and their 10-month-old son right across Mexico, Costa Rica and the US and the discovery that resulted in the creation of their coaching business. So I'd like to say a huge welcome to Jan and Morgan to Between the Spreadsheets. And I kick off the conversation by asking them to tell us a little bit more about what it is that they do as they embark on this journey together. We're an online health coaching business and we focus on making sure that people can improve their health and their well-being in an easy and fun way. It's kind of our mission to bring back those things. There's a lot of, I would say, businesses going about making it accessible, taking care of your health and well-being, uh, but not a lot of businesses realize that the fun part, the engagement part, is actually crucial to get people in. So that's what we set out to do, uh, build on and build on an online community, an online um, business with people all over the world and actually improving their health and well-being. That's basically what we do. And there's a couple of things that we do to make that a little bit more unique. We set out to be very scientific uh, and during these last couple of months we actually changed to uh, incorporating the science part but focusing a little bit more on the lifestyle and personality part. So there's a couple of things that we do. We analyze who you are. And we take a little bit of a step back before we dive into what you want to achieve in your health or well-being. We actually take a step back and look at who is this person? Where is this person coming from? Uh, do they even realize what they want? Um, asking a little bit more questions, in-depth questions. We noticed that it's really hard to measure outcomes and a lot of businesses are actually failing 
because they're not able to prove um, how they're helping you and what the outcomes actually uh, that you set out to, to, to have if you're actually getting there. So our business is focused on diving a little bit deeper in who you are based on you know, some data points. And then obviously from that moment on, we build a personalized program specifically to what you want to achieve. And that changes very wildly. Um, people come in with different goals and they actually exit uh, with goals. So it's an interesting uh, business. You could call it online coaching, online health coaching. And that's also mm. still very much uh, changing, by the way. You have to look at it like a very flexible uh, business um, in terms of what we offer to people. It can be whatever you want in terms of your health or well-being. Interesting, because I think we were saying when we met recently that I think executive coaching used to be probably 10 years ago. If you had a business coach, people would sort of say, oh gosh, you know, what's why have you got a business coach? Whereas now people mm. are sort of saying, well, why haven't you got an executive coach? And I, I kind of feel like people will go and see maybe a nutritionist or they might go and see a personal sort of physical coach mm. um, that can help them, a physical trainer at the gym, kind of combining so many facets mm. of people's lives. And that whole thing about who are you? I just, I just love that question. There must be that must uh, elicit a lot from your clients. Yeah, I think a lot of people today coach on a specific topic. But if you look in terms of health, we, you know, everyone comes to realize that there's so many aspects uh, when it comes to your health that are important. You know, we started out looking at mainly at nutrition, but then quickly saw that you know, your lifestyle, your level of stress um, are actually equally important. Your movement, sleep are all uh, important things to, to look at it and not only focus on only nutrition or only stress or only sleep. So we combine all these uh, subjects to make a personalized program. Uh, mm. And depending on the needs of that person, we will first focus on sleep or first focus on nutrition. But we believe that nutrition is it's really important to... It's a foundation. It's, it's a foundation mm. and people are not aware anymore that nutrition can have a big impact on your mood and, and how you are and how you feel. Mm. Uh, so we want to, to reconnect people with what they eat, how they eat uh, and be aware of that. Mm. We always say like humans are the only species in the world that don't know how to feed themselves. Yes. And it's, it's, if you look yes. at that, it's kind, of a, it's, kind of, you know, it's kind of a growing problem. And we don't want to talk too much about mm. you know, what's going on in the world in terms of obesity. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I think that's, you know, that's a fact and it's a growing issue. But if you talk about that, it doesn't really attract uh, people. People don't want to hear the bad stuff. They mm. actually want to see what they can do, what they can change. Mm. So we brought together a team of experts, a team of people who are, have you know, different backgrounds in psychology, in behavior change in nutrition, in, you know, the more STEM type of sciences uh, backgrounds. And we take a look at, you know, a profile from different angles. And so that's what we're actually trying to build today. It's still very manual, but over time we'll build out, we'll build this out as an algorithm uh, that will, you know, thoroughly help the coach to dig in a little bit deeper, to speed up the process of getting to know who's in front of you, and also to help them and guide them actually into you know helping their their, their clients better mm-hmm. and i think that's our our primary goal is to actually also have the health coaching space which is a kind of emerging business uh, with people coming in from different angles to kind of help professionalize that that space yes too. yeah i think you're absolutely right it's emerging isn't it and you're based in you're based in ghent aren't you is that right 
Yes, uh, we're from Belgium, mm-hmm. so we're based in Ghent, but we uh, operate in London mm-hmm. uh, because here the, the market is, is, is booming uh, around well-being. Mm-hmm. In Belgium, we have a lot of support of our parents, so they take care of our kid when we are here in London. So uh, we're really grateful for that because without them, it would it wouldn't be possible mm-hmm. uh, to do all these travelings. Uh, yeah, and, and we have Belgian clients too. Yeah, we have Belgian clients. We have people in the UK. We have people in the US. Mm. And for us, it's also kind of looking at you know. Um, in this phase, um, the phase we're in is getting to product market fit, if you would you know, yes. describe it technically. Yes. It's finding out who is our customer, who needs us right now, who needs us the most, mm-hmm. and finding that uh, person, finding mm. that group of people, segmenting it really clearly, and also kind of combining and looking at you know who is that person in the UK versus who is that person in Belgium versus who is that person in the US. What are the cultural differences? We have coaches in Seattle, coaches in London, coaches in Belgium. And there's also different styles of helping people in in that space. So it's figuring out what works. So now I'm going to take you back. So just tell us more about kind of where you were and when that was and and how you met. (laughs) We were in a very different place and and, uh, space, to be honest. Uh, I have a background in nightlife, I was an uh, event promoter and uh, um, I was actually, um, you know, the first time we met was actually when I employed Morgan <laughs> and it was not a very successful, I would say, uh, experience. Um, to be short, uh, after that she thought I was an, an arrogant prick. I thought I will never ever um, uh, be able to to um, to meet her again in in a way. And but oh, fast- that was 12 years ago. Yeah, yeah okay, that's good. And, ju- and just tell us how old you are now. I'm 35. Okay. And I'm 32. Okay, yeah. so this was like 20... When, when you're tw- I was still... You're 20 and, and you're kind of 23 at the time. Yeah, right? that's 12 so, years ago. So yeah. I was studying, so I was... Uh, during the weekends, I was uh, working as a student. Mm-hmm. And uh, one day, I, a friend of me asked, like, I have a friend who is organizing parties and he still needs someone for the clock room. Yeah. So I said, yeah, okay, I, I'm going to do it with a, another friend of me. Uh, but then we made a mess of it because, um, yeah, we, we we lost some tickets and we we messed up with jackets and so on. So at the end of the night, a lot of people came back and we couldn't find their jackets anymore. Um, a proper fight broke out. <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah. so, yeah, yeah. Uh, to, to make a long story short, uh, at the end of the night, um, I saw Jan and he said, like, here, you can have an extra tip because of all the mess uh-huh. um, and I was like yeah I don't need your tip I did my job <laughs> I'm out of here and then um, it's two years later we met again uh, I went to Spain for uh, Erasmus uh, to uh, okay. to uh, finish my studies um, and then I came back from Spain and, and one of my good friends was with uh, a guy and his best friend was Jan so I think like uh, Old school. We were properly introduced, like you know, in the old days, and I think that's still a you know, it's still a good way to get you know acquainted. And for us also, like you know, our friends were really like, yeah, you guys should get together. It's mm. so cool. But I, I was um, I was probably the worst person in dating. It took us quite a while, you know, a couple of dinners actually before I even thought that she was in my league. To be honest, I thought okay. I. I screwed it up back two years ago, the, and then so. So you knew you you you'd remembered each other from the previous yeah, two years course. from that night. Yeah. Of course, I, I yeah. didn't forget about her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we didn't know each other so well. But then yes. when I came back, I was like, okay, I was open to 
get to know a, a new person. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I was attracted by him. And then, but he, he Jan is not really a womanizer. <laughs> So I had to do the work. Well, that's okay. And uh, I didn't see the signs, to be honest. <laughs> no, he didn't see the sign because uh, one evening we were at a party, and then I asked her, like, "Yeah, I can drive you back home if you want. I'm here by car, so I can drop you off, you know." Mm-hmm. Uh, so I dropped him off, and I I, I didn't even I was kiss hoping her. <laughs> I was hoping for you know a little goodbye kiss or yeah, whatever, yeah. and he just. Yeah, went out of the car. Yeah, and, and got a nothing. Uh, Yana like, dropped oh, home and was <laughs> thinking bonus. Thank you. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> Another guy would. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so I was like, oh, God damn it! So then I went just back home, and I think I drove you two times back home without <laughs> nothing. <laughs> so yeah, it was hard, and then uh, yeah. Eventually, the the the, the moment that you re- you reeled it in was, um, I was still DJing. We actually agreed on meeting each other where I played, uh, and that day I got really sick. I mean, I was mm-hmm. sick, sick to my stomach, and I actually called the promoter like, "I'm not coming in. It's not going to work out." And after you know, after a while, I realized, "Oh yeah, I also have to send her a message that I'm not coming in." And straight away, I got a message from her, um, which is kind of, um, you know, it's, it's kind of instrumental for our, our relationship and kind of defi- defined uh, our relationship <laughs> also a little bit, like. Well, you, you you should make make sure that you're here in ten minutes. I'm here in this club. I didn't come out here for nothing. You should come out and play. Don't be a pussy. Um, <laughs> so I was like, whoa. <laughs> I was on my way there because I wanted to see him and yeah. yeah, yeah. So and then you got that message, you know, to say yeah, I'm sick, and you know when a man is sick. <laughs> <laughs> so I was yeah, I was disappointed, and then I just wrote back like, okay, it's. I, I hope you can make it because yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm here. Yeah. yeah, I'm here for you. And um, yeah. I got a cold in the in the shower. Took a cold shower. Pulled up to the club. The owner was like, "What are you doing here?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm playing. I'm playing. It's fine. It's fine." <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like that was a turning point in your relationship. Yeah, yeah, and that, yeah that was actually the night we we went home. Yeah, yeah. We went home together, and yeah. yeah, we didn't leave each other for ten years now. So no. okay, yeah. And you and you have Richard, who is uh, two. He's yeah. he's just two, or he's about to be two. Almost two. Almost two. Okay. Yeah. So you've been together for ten years, and you're married. So tell us about who proposed and where did you get married? Well, I proposed in this case. <laughs> okay. Wow. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah I, I waited for years because every time when we went on a oh, holiday, okay. my friends okay. were like, "He's gonna propose. He's okay. gonna propose." So. Uh, once we went to, to Thailand, so I was like, that's the perfect country to propose, you know, <laughs> with nice beaches and so on. And also, every time when we checked in in the hotel, uh, he always asked for a locker. So I was like, yes, he has a ring <laughs> with him. And I, lo- then... I love the views and the interpretations of these of these uh, <laughs> these words and terms. I love it. And then I waited like every day for the special day during the, that holiday. And then at the end, nothing happened. So, and then I asked him, like, okay, so you're going to propose me now? Or what's happening? I said, no. Why are you always asking for a locker every time when we check in? Yeah, for my iPad. I was like, oh, my God. It's true. Well, and then I think your friends kind of, um, you know, nudged me, like, yeah, maybe, maybe she would be interested. And then I was like, okay. We took a couple of travels after that. And then I realized, like, I'm, I'm very, they, you know, at my previous job, they call me decisive Danielle, somebody who decides on the spot mm. and make decisions really quickly. Um, and then actually, before we went to one of our, you know, yearly Ibiza travels, um, I said, oh, this is the perfect, perfect trip. I have to get out. And so I 
uh, called her friend and then we you know in that in those two weeks time we got a ring <laughs> and I got somebody to set up like a really nice spot in the hills in the north of Ibiza and he built like a pop-up restaurant just for us wow on the yeah. 360 yeah. Mirador. so it was like 180 degrees yeah. from from where yeah. Jan yeah. the guy had been at age 23 to <laughs> um to suddenly proposing well I was trained for a couple of years after that. <laughs> so you, you yeah. set up this pop-up restaurant yeah. in, I, in Ibiza there's this guy who wrote a book, amazing book, by the way, if you ever visit Ibiza, Secret Beaches Ibiza, and it's kind Secret. of Beaches Ibiza. Okay. It's a beautiful book about tours you can take, hikes you can take. But, you know, he became a friend, uh, did a tour with our company, and I asked him, like, hey, can you help us? Um, I'm actually trying to propose to my, to my girlfriend. Do you know any great spots? And he was so excited about it that he mapped out this whole tour. Oh and so I actually waited until the very last day because I wanted her to feel like it was not going to happen this trip again. <laughs> now you now you knew. knew. Oh, after, after Thailand, you knew. He was playing with you. Exactly. And then, it was um, worth it. The setting was beautiful. It was just middle of in the nature. Hmm. And then uh, we did a walk. Okay. And then we arrived at that little pop-up setting yeah. restaurant. They did a raw food. Um, they did. They, they put like uh, nine boxes, coolers, with every single dish in it, and he made like a little menu and you know hung up numbers to every box and wow. write all that. Yeah. They, they, they gathered flowers and plants and put up little blankets. It yeah, was, it was beautiful. Yeah. Actually, yeah. And when you when you came out and saw this pop-up restaurant, oh, like, Dogen, yes, did, did you? And then we had dinner, and I was like, what's... <laughs> Where's the ring? Where's the ring? <laughs> I was actually stretching it. To so you honest, waited uh, until the desserts. Yeah, until yeah, late after the dessert. And the, that day when I woke up, I had a migraine attack of the amount no, of stress, actually, no. we had. But actually, I, when, I, when I went down on my knee, I actually, everything was black for me. I didn't actually, I, I remember it vividly. I don't, didn't see anything. Didn't, I was so you stressed pass, out. You didn't pass out. <laughs> Almost. Yeah, it sounds it like it was dramatic yeah. and beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was Yeah, one of the most beautiful days, actually, I had. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone at home was actually waiting for the moment. So <laughs> yeah, because everybody this... knew, except me. So. And then, so then that was when? That was, what year was that? 2014. 2014. And then yeah. you got married in? 2016. 2016. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and where did you get married? In, at home in Ghent or yeah, whereabouts? In Ghent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, her parents owned, uh, we always wanted to have like, we had this, this idea of an, a ruin, an old castle. Mm. And then we found this old house her, her parents' uh, family owned close to a river, it was abandoned, and it was just the perfect setup wow. for us. Wow, yeah. Yeah, that we, sounds uh, beautiful. Yeah. yeah, along a river, so it was perfect to, to take a boat and to arrive by boat. And yes. Yeah, we created like a, a space for the ceremony, and then... Yeah, our friends pitched in, it was, you know, we, we did everything ourselves. Yeah. Uh, just, the, I mean, the food we didn't do ourselves, but everything else we kind of set, set up, up ourselves. Yeah, we had a lot of help uh, from friends so yeah but it was a beautiful day and you know we had the you know proper sound system in the house so the party then after you know we did the whole ceremony in the day went inside the house and, and we had an amazing band playing stavros and uh, you know lots of friends of ours mm. who played live and, and dj'd and i remember my uncle coming up to me like what is this marriage what is this this is such a good party <laughs> <laughs> and you couldn't believe that we had great music on our, on our wedding so it was like yeah. yeah it was a beautiful day yeah. yeah that sounds glorious okay so i uh i'm just gonna ask you if you look back then could you have ever envisaged that you would be working together now was that a thing for you even back then um no um i think everything 
started to change. Uh, before the wedding, I had uh, started like a, a blog with healthy recipes. Um, so I was already thinking about changing my lifestyle. Um, and Morgan, what were you doing then, work-wise? Yeah, I was working for a corporate company. I worked in HR for a big uh, dredging company. Uh, so it's a company that does a lot of uh, structures, construction work. Yes. They did the Palm Tree Islands in Dubai, for example. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they work in ports and so on. Mm. Um, so I was uh, head of recruitment and selection there. Uh, I had okay. a really nice, good job. Uh, we worked hard during the week. We party a lot during the weekends. Mm-hmm. And this went on for like seven years. <laughs> <laughs> but then I realized that I was I was missing a bit of you know what what is my passion, mm-hmm. um, so then then I, I started that that health uh, health blog uh, with healthy recipes, and I also did like a, a yoga teacher training. So that was all before the wedding. So I, I would never think about starting a business with my husband uh, mm. at that time. Okay, uh, because the two of us really independent. We did a lot of things together with friends, but also we had mm. our own things. So, of course, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and what about you, Jan? Had you, you know, looking back then and where you are now, would you have ever, was it something you had envisaged doing? No, to no? be honest, okay. it's the classic story where, look, where I was looking left and she was looking right. I was yeah. having a lot, of, I had a lot of ideas of starting something. I was always mm-hmm. on the lookout. You know, I was fortunate enough to join early in a company that grew big um, and then it helped to grow obviously and that was a, an amazing company I, you know we learned so much um, I was in the tech space back then and I, I'm an absolute nerd to be honest I, I love technology I've been brought up with technology I've always mm. fumbled around with it but you know I didn't become a developer so mm. I thought it was never going to be possible for me to work in that space so when I got that opportunity a friend actually uh, hit me up on Twitter back then and uh, you know after two weeks I was working there I was really happy in mm. that space but working in that space you see so many ideas so many things popping up so I was always looking for that you know technical co-founder someone you know in who could you know build something new so it was both of us were always looking left uh, or right but never to each other we we talked about uh, business a lot together and mm. every travel or trip we did ended up with some weird business idea or some kind of idea that we wanted to build out but we never actually pursued it and we always had like side projects like you did more uh, some projects in nightlife i did mm. like pop-up restaurants and uh, I, I i cooked for events uh, but always on the side because i had my full-time job mm. uh, and then you realize like okay if you want to do something you really need to be full-on um, and yeah, okay. yeah if you have a full-time job you you cannot keep on doing these size projects yeah. Uh, yeah. because then you do everything everything half. So tell us about, I suppose, the point, you know, having, having not really, having gone left and right and not together, clearly something changed. Mm-hmm. Was there a seminal moment or a seminal time and what happened? We always had the, the, these ideas but we never did something with it because we, we were comfortable in our jobs we had, uh, I call it the golden cage. And then one day I was pregnant. <laughs> what's, what's the golden cage? You know, you, you're happy with, with the job you're doing. They trust you in, in, in what you're doing. Uh, you, you get a lot of rewards uh, every uh, month. You get your salary uh, mm-hmm. and you can do your thing, you know. A golden cage is, is, is something that you don't want to give up on because, you know, you're safe and, uh, you know, you're doing your job well. And just to give up the golden cage, yeah, it's, it's something you don't know. It's risky. Mm. Um, 
But being in the golden cage, how does it, whilst it feels kind of safe, is there this desire to, well, there's clearly a desire to leave the golden cage. You know, yeah. So from, the, from, I suppose, the negative perspective mm-hmm. is, however beautiful and shiny it is, it's, it's a, a cage. Yeah. For mm. someone that, that is always looking for a challenge, a golden cage is nice to have sometimes, but... Yeah, if, if you look on the long term, then I was always, oh, there was always that little voice inside of me saying, come on, just do it, just do something of your own. So yeah, that's, that's the day when Richard was born, changed our lives, actually. Mm. So yeah, like I, I told, I was, uh, suddenly I was pregnant, it was uh, that plan, and for a person that likes to have stability and everything planned it's like oh my god what's gonna happen now my life is over <laughs> what a baby but it was the most most easy baby I could imagine I was a bit scared of babies before <laughs> mm-hmm. and then he was there and he was never crying he was uh, really sweet and uh, in Belgium we have like three months maternity leave so I stayed home yeah I had a lot of time to think um, so then I realized like okay maybe it's time to to do something by herself and then I went back to work and I didn't feel it anymore and I was always uh, really engaged with my work and committed to, to, to the job I did and I didn't feel it anymore so it was like okay something needs to change so why why don't do something different and then it was the time we decided to uh, to quit the job and to uh, to travel with our uh, with our baby mm-hmm. gosh I'm just asking you so so when you went back do you do you know, or was it a sense of being a mother and the change that you had had with having Richard, or was it that having Richard gave you sort of the impetus because in your mind, you know, things had changed and it it allowed that uh, voice in your head saying, you should, do, you should do it, you should do it, you should do it. Suddenly mm-hmm. the plug had been pulled and, mm-hmm. and you could do it. Because mm-hmm. I think at that moment you, you realize that there's just more than work. Yeah, when, when Richard uh, was born, I really had the urge to just take time for the three of us. Because you have work, then you have the weekends full of obligations with friends and socials. Yes. And as a young mother, uh, for me it was at that time it was too much. And then I, I realized, like, okay, just I just need a reset. And the best way for me to take a reset is just to to explore the world and to to have new experiences, but just with the three of us. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so what happens next in terms of the resetting and and yeah. it being the three of you and what 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 happened? Well, Morgan actually is the one. Like she said, um, we made the decision. Um, I'm the one who's always strategizing and dreaming about things, but she's the one who came home in July, I remember very clearly. I did it. J- July of 2018. 18. 18. Yeah. She came home okay. said, I quit it. I quit my job. And that was kind of scary for me mm. um, at that moment because, um, you know, I was, I was you know, in the management of a company, a uh, uh, shareholder of that company that I helped to build, and now I had to go and tell them, you know, I'm off. and. Uh, I'm quitting. It took me more than two weeks to actually um, find the guts to talk to um, to our CEO and, and my partner actually to tell him, look, um, I'm, I'm out. Yeah, but but presumably, what had you been talking about this? Because you you hadn't you hadn't said to Jan you were about to resign, but you had been talking mm. about doing something together or this whole resetting. Was that a joint thing you'd been talking about? Yeah, very much. I actually yeah. came back from a 
from an interesting conference. You could call it a conference. It's kind of more like a community in, in Tulum in, in Mexico. And, and it just, it, for me, that was kind of the trigger moment where I mm. realized I need to be creative again. Yes. Um, I started making raw chocolate there. And um, okay. we, kept, we kept making it when I came back home creating new versions of it and you know experimenting with taste and you know we just figured out that you know we needed to do something of our own and be it raw chocolate be it anything else we just realized we don't know it yet and there's no way we'll find out unless we will you know we'll explore the world and explore the idea of doing this mm. uh, together and so that mm. that's the moment where we really started mm. talking about i remember sitting in in the south of france like okay how much money do we need how far can mm. we jump yeah uh, making an excel sheet about you know, how much money do we need mm. to do this and also asking the question like what, what's the worst thing that 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 can happen yes when you take these kinds of decisions and Yeah, then it's like just run out of money and That's yeah, it. there's always a solution to get money yeah. again. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah, you look at what's the what's the upside and what's the downside and I always look you know, that's my way of doing things. Mm-hmm. The downside is well it's zero. Yeah, we can get into debt too, but for us it was getting to, to zero, but the upside was kind of endless, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, endless opportunity and so kind of a no brainer at that moment we realized okay, it's it's time to go. And shortly after that trip you you, uh, you quit your job mm-hmm. and then I had to find the courage to do the same thing. Okay. Yeah, that was the moment where we really found out like okay, there's The risk is relatively small, yes, uh, mm-hmm. and the upside is kind of endless. So let, let's yeah. go for it. So, so what what happens next? Well, what happens next? Then we sold our house. We <laughs> <laughs> sold our house. Wow. Just like that. Yeah, we yeah. sold our house. How how quickly does the house sell in Ghent? Um, certainly, the, the house we had it was like uh, uh, close to the city, to yeah. the center. Uh, so a lot of young couples are looking for these kinds of houses. So sure. we organized a weekend, and we had like 60 couples coming over to see the house yeah. uh, so it was sold in, in one two three and then and it was September and then uh, we left in December then we left from Mexico with uh, Richard uh, he was 10 months at that time and our, our goal of the of, of, of the travel was yeah the reset like I, I said but also to already start to to brainstorm for the company we wanted to start it yes and when we um, just uh, left our idea was to to start something and 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 because of the raw chocolate we were making for months uh, we we decided to to go f- into the functional food and it, so you know for some people it might say oh yeah we just sold our house and we traveled with a uh, ten, 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 ten month old <laughs> baby but um, lots of people thought we were crazy like, yeah you know, I was going to ask because a, lo- a lot of a lot of people who become couplepreneurs, their their loved ones and their friends and ex-colleagues, often when they do leave big jobs where they're secure but they're in the golden cage, lots of people might be thinking, can I do this? And and But how do you do this? You know, mm-hmm. and this is a big risk to kind of, you know, do because you're, you're perfectly comfortable. But you decide, okay, yeah, we're going to do this. Mm-hmm. Off we go. And actually what helps is, Uh, in the beginning, you, you're talking just the two between us. We were talking mm. uh, about our ideas and the things that we wanted to do. But then once you start to, to talk about it to your friends and family, yes. then it's getting more concrete. Yes. And when you say things like, okay, I'm going to quit my job and we're going to travel, then you really need to do it because you, you mm. told it. And I'm kind of person, when I say something, I, I, I do it. Well, I think, I think we have to have intent, don't mm. we? And you had, an in, you had intent. Yeah. And your intent was really yeah. the day that you both resigned. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. What, what comes next after that? Yeah. Mm. Just yeah. say it out loud and then 
yeah, th- then things are happening. People ask sometimes, like, oh, what motive? You know, how do you get motivation? Well, it's by doing things that you know you get feedback uh, from the real world, yeah. and we got a lot of feedback from you know our surroundings. To be honest, our most of our friends were very supportive of that idea. We have a lot of creative um, friends and people in, who you know love a bit of risk taking, so that mm-hmm. also helps. So if you want to do it and you feel like you're you might not be in the right environment, just kind of active, actively seek out people who've done it and just talk to them and just kind of mm-hmm. start, you know, start talking about it. That helps with manifesting. Mm-hmm. I would say that a lot of people who believe that, you know, once you write down and visualize what your goal is um, very concretely, that it will happen. Mm-hmm. So because, you know, our brain is wired like that. You start yes. looking at the things that you, that you write down, you start looking at the things that you visualize about. Yes. And so that's that's how we we actually did it. You know, the ball starts rolling from mm. there. You have to, you know, people hold you accountable, and, and yes. the next time they see you, they're like, "So how's the planning going?" Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Did you already sell? So did you sell your car? And I had a nice car back then. Everyone asked me like, "Are you going to sell your car?" I was like, <laughs> "Yes, I will sell my car." <laughs> Stupid stuff like that. And but it was it was hard too. Like let, let's be honest, we didn't have a lot of time to do it. Like, and mm. we decided in July, August. And then we had like three months, four months to, to do it actually. And mm-hmm. I remember us leaving, you know, completely tired. To yeah, be honest, exhausted. when we left, we were exhausted. Christmas Day, we left the twenty fifth. You didn't left the twenty yeah. fifth. Yeah. You left on Christmas Day of two thousand eighteen. Yeah. Tickets were very cheap. Okay, <laughs> yeah. And you and you flew to Mexico. City. You flew to Mexico City. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so and on the thirty first of December, as the dawn of two thousand nineteen happens, you're in Tulum. Uh, we were um, we made the trip a little bit easier for us. We had yes. ten friends travel with us who okay. uh, came on the first two weeks of the trip. We were surrounded okay. with ten friends. Gosh, how, that's that's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. 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 And so we celebrated mm-hmm. New Year's uh, yeah. together as a, as a group of friends. And then after that. Uh, we all went our separate ways, but to be honest, we were also exhausted after those two weeks with ten friends because they were all single or, or um, without kids. Or without we were the kids. only one with kids, and at that time we were also like, you know, FOMO. Uh, <laughs> you, you want to, yeah, when you arrive in a new country, you want to do, you want to see things, you want to do things, mm. but then you have the, the baby. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. But it also felt like we we jumped out of a high speed train. Yeah. To be honest, like it felt like. You know, suddenly, for me, it was weird. I didn't get like I, we both got a lot of email before we left, and suddenly you don't have that email again. And you come to this, you, you keep rolling until you come to kind of a, a moment of you know where you, you stop, and then you realize how tired you actually yes. are. Yes. And um, yes. yeah, it took five weeks actually to to, to recover from everything, from, from selling the house, from leaving our friends, our safe yeah. haven, um, and actually settling into the to the country. That we were, uh, you know, looking forward to to staying for a couple of a couple mm-hmm. of weeks, mm-hmm. and we quickly realized we needed more time. Okay. Yeah. So okay. You, you leave with this idea of you know, island hopping and, and yes. backpacking from left to right, and then you realize a baby is not that ideal to do that. Yeah. Uh, and you also want to learn, you know, you want to get to know people, you want to learn a little bit more about the culture in Mexico. So we actually decided to stay uh, longer in one place, okay. settle in. And, uh, and and travel a bit from where we uh, we, we could you know mm-hmm. settle in, and that was when we really realized we we're actually very tired. Mm-hmm. And before even thinking about starting this business, we need to take some time off. Yeah, um, okay. That's what we did. Yeah, because yeah, you because you basically left two big jobs, didn't you? Yeah, and yeah. then went into sort of overdrive on selling a house, and then planning your next kind of 
life stage if you like mm. and then yeah. and then with 10 friends and then going off so it's no wonder that you you then needed to kind of calm down really mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and take some time so so then so what happens after those kind of you know initial kind of five six weeks and um so do you stay in mexico or, or what happens in terms of the idea forming and there's a couple of things that happened there first mm. of all after six weeks of no habits no structure. having to do anything no structure mm. we were actually at a crisis um, okay well we were a bit lost we were lost because, lost. to be honest, okay. we we're you know humans need some kind of structure, some yes. uh, some habits, and our baby needed that too. And I remember sitting down because you you know you were kind of like we need to do something about this, and we we, we set out to build like a very strict daily regiment about you know we wake up at eight, one day I do the baby, the other day you do the baby, and I'll cook and or you'll cook mm-hmm. the breakfast, and so we set out this. I still have it in in, in my notes this kind of hour-by-hour program of how we were going about our day. Mm. So that's a realization we had, like, we need to build some structure if Mm. we want to ever do anything, if Mm. we want to ever build a business together, find some time to do this, we need to get some structure back in our in our daily life. Mm. Even though you're in an, on an island or in a beautiful paradise, you need, you need that to uh, free up some time to do the thinking. And then after that, you know, we went in, a, in with the idea to build a functional food business. A big ingredient of that is cacao. So we set out uh, to visit cacao plantations in Mexico. Um, and, and Morgan actually uh, found a really nice one uh, close to the border of Guatemala uh, in Tapachula. It's a dangerous place to go, actually, with a baby. I wouldn't recommend it that much. But honestly, that was my fear. I would, that's how I mm-hmm. felt about it. And uh, when we went there, it was actually a beautiful experience. But we also realized that our you know, experience in, in this business was super low. Like, build, you know, selecting cacao is a very, very difficult process. And having a great quality over and over again is also very, very hard uh, to mm-hmm. come by, definitely in, in terms of the cacao that we were looking for. And so at, after that, trip to the jungle with a baby which by the way we didn't announce we were bringing with us <laughs> we realized okay. hmm, this food industry is kind of complex and then we went to a really big trade show and realized and we're probably just a drop uh, in the ocean uh, the very red ocean mm-hmm. um, so wh- what can we build that makes a difference what can we build that makes an impact in, in, in a way that doesn't consume all our money um, and it was actually not a lot. You know, it was it was difficult. Yes. It was a big realization for us mm-hmm. after Mexico that you know this food industry in itself is kind of very 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 complex. It might be for us like a, a very big endeavor to tackle. And also that what we could do, the added value that we could build, was very limited with mm. functional food. The science mm. around it is pretty limited, mm-hmm. to be honest. Okay. So how did you get from you know thinking maybe functional foods wasn't the way forward to then getting to the coaching business? Uh, well, I was at that trade show. That was when, after Mexico, we went to Costa Rica, and then uh, we were in LA uh, mm-hmm. for two months. Uh, that was also our goal to 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 settle in LA and to uh, to give form to our business. Uh, and the first week we were in LA, it was a trade show, and then we realized, like, okay, we we are not the persons to just add a, a new product on the market and, and functional foods. And then, uh, yeah. We drove up to Staples. We had no idea, actually. So we drove up to Staples and we were like, we need to get a whiteboard and just get our ideas out. Like, what? And then the question we asked ourselves is, okay, so what if we could build a business for us? Like, 
what would have helped us in these past six, seven, eight years that we went from you know being uh, very socially active, not caring about our health that much, into now having a baby and thinking a little bit bigger picture. Yes. Um, myself going through a lot of health issues in, in those six, seven years. What if we could have built something that would have helped us? What would that look like? I remember sitting uh, sitting in, in, in the living room in LA and then you know this big white port in front of us. But it came out quickly, really quickly about, you know, it should be something scientific. We want to see some science around that. People don't actually don't know how to implement then anything they've learned from those kind of scientific tests. So we should help them make sense out of data and help them, you know, build new behaviors Mm -hmm. with a scientific approach uh, around that. And that's basically... Yeah, and help people to, to be aware of who they are and how they can change uh, because the last six seven years uh, we did it on, on our own to make little changes if you would have someone to help you it would be maybe faster instead yes. of six or seven years and that's what well, at that time already we were like okay it's like a personal trainer you know which kind of exercises you need mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that you do them every day that's why you need someone who is motivating you who is there for you who is yeah, who guides you, who supports you. Mm. And it's, it's the same with, with nutrition or, you know, sleep stress, that you have someone that guides you through the whole process, is there to help you, to give you advice or support or whatever. In the beginning, we, 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 you know, we set out to build something that was really science-based and science was going to be our main talking point. And we did a lot of research, uh, visited a lot of universities, companies in, in LA. It's, LA is full of it. It's kind of mm-hmm. the mecca for that. Um, and we realized that there's a lot of you know testing that you can do at home today. So the technology, just like in you know mobile technology or uh, today, the technology made it made it easy for us to build a layer on top of what exists already. So mm-hmm. we didn't have to build the whole logistics part of all the the tests ourselves. We could mm-hmm. just build on what exists today. And because of technology evolving rapidly and allowing us to build something and test something quickly. Uh, and all these at-home tests that you can buy today, it was easy for us to see, like, okay, what's here? What can we make out of this? Mm. How can we combine these data sets and, mm. and really you know, provide some, some insights to people that they, mm. that they can work with? And so quickly we, we found you know, um, competition, we found ideas, we did a lot of long-distance calls back with Europe because a lot of companies actually are here. Um, there's lots of universities who you know, specialize in microbiome, gut health, gut health yeah. uh, genetics, like uh, the University of Rotterdam, the Erasmus University is a big one. So we realized like, we can stay in LA and join the pack. Or we can get back to Europe and kind of pioneer the concept a little bit more. And we're close to a lot of the research facilities mm. that are actually helping us today. And so that's what happened. Um, and also realized that building a business on the road with a baby <laughs> is kind of ambitious. It's, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. you know it, it, it complicates things in a way. Uh, definitely in the beginning of your company, you don't need that. You yeah. need to look at. Um, you know, so, so you moved back to Ghent. When, when, did, when did you come back? Uh, it was May 2019. Okay. Yeah. Okay. After LA, uh, we went one month to New York. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then we decided to go back. Yeah. Uh, normally, our plan was to to go to Japan, Bali, Canada. But then we said, like, okay, we. You're ready. You're ready yeah. to come back and yeah. Start the we were so excited because yeah. we launched uh, at the at that time when we were in LA. We launched a website and we had so many positive feedback. It was like 
okay, just let's go back and make this happen. We, we set up a landing page just to test the idea and see the, yes. you know, the feedback uh, of people. And we got so many responses uh, on that. More than 100 people signed up in just a couple of days to, you know, figure out what, what we're doing and also obviously interested in what the, they could get from it. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of the moment where we decided like, okay, there's something here. We should, uh, we should dig deeper. Um, mm -hmm. And so we set up our first test group over the summer uh, with, with uh, 15, 20 people that were really interested and we, you know, we thought were in our demographic, testing out all the logistics, you know, because we do, you know, scientific testing. We then build from these tests, we combine the data um, and then we look at building a personalized program from that and we coach you on that. And so all these things have to come together. So it was very much pieced together with duct tape in the, in the early days. Mm -hmm. Uh, in testing out the logistics um, uh, of what we were doing, seeing does it make sense? Is this you know can we build something out of this that mm. is also you know, manageable as a business? Um, and over the summer we learned <laughs> learned a lot about that, but we couldn't have done that being in LA with a kid uh, mm. demanding our full attention too. To be honest, what do you think is the secret to being a couplepreneur, given that you're so early in your journey? Well, the the secret of working together as a, as a couple. And certainly when, when you are for 10 years together, is that you just can be honest to each other. And I think it's easier to have an open communication. Okay. If you compare it, well, I can compare it in, in the corporate world. You have your manager or your colleagues, you know, you, you, sometimes you need to, what would you say it like? You know, take in consideration there their position, the hierarchy, before you say anything. And it's always kind of, there's always a big filter on what you're saying. But so is there any filter going on here? Well, we need, we've installed a couple of filters. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> tell us, tell us more about those, Jan. Well, Remember, you know, you've got, this, is, this is about open and honest conversation. I'm very direct. Uh, okay. Morgan's very direct too. Uh, so we both, we're both very direct um, as a couple. Um, that, that helps in getting feedback early on as a company, but also as, as, as co-founders. It's, it's a blessing, to be honest, because you don't, have, you, don't, you don't hold up the frustration of that's actually not what I want, that's not what I think should be, should be. But building in some thoughts, because if you're too direct, you, know, you don't want to end up fighting. That's, that's definitely not good. And because we're also mindful about the risk, building a business together as a couple, if the business doesn't work out, you know, there's a big risk that you as a couple might uh, might lose each other. And we want to avoid that at all costs. So we're very, very mindful and we talk about how we talk to each other regularly. Like we, you, you talk about how you talk yeah, to each other. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. in the beginning we were really direct and that's good because then you can really move forward and take really fast decisions. And I think we still take really fast decisions, so that's still good. But yeah, you, you're together the whole time. Like before, it was you had uh, your work, uh, you had your friends on the weekends, and now we do almost everything together. And, and that's important to, to be aware of because then you also see a side that you don't know uh, of each other. And I think mm. at, the, at the point when there's stress coming... When it's getting real. When it's getting real, then you see that the other person gets maybe insecure, but I, I think that's normal because we are all humans, mm -hmm. but you're not used to see that yes. side of the person. Yes. And then, yeah, you, you just start to to realize that the other person also ha yeah, has another side and is so yes. vulnerable. And, yes. 
uh, you need to accept that from each other because uh, as a couple you always see the, the strong side you know if you work together you you also yeah you have highs and lows yeah you're supporting each other in a different way yeah. I think yeah. aren't you and it's interesting what you're saying about because there is a myth that couplepreneurs are sitting next to each other and you know in their little lifestyle businesses and actually in the in the big world that's not what's happening at all but because at the moment I think you're early in your journey and you're out seeing lots of people you, you are doing all of that together and it may be that in the future as the company gets bigger that your your roles mean that you are spending kind of less time together I don't know mm. do you do you do you envisage that do you think it is because you're at this point in the in the business early on we we realized that we needed uh, more people in the mm. business. One of the things I've, I've been doing myself uh, on, the, on the side is advising startup companies, and that's where I also realized uh, the benefit, you know, of, of you know of an advisory board, of getting in people yes. early on in a more structured mm. appro- approach, and so setting out to build an advisory was kind of uh, initial uh, thought, but we were also early on to to kind of hire people, contractors. Um, and get them in, in, in you know, our Slack channel, to be honest, and having that group of people around you with a lot of expertise. Um, to, you know, we're, we're new in, in this space, so we come at it from a different angle, definitely health and well-being. It's already a very strong market, but we have a fresh look on it. But we do need people who are in it. We do need people to, to do the health coaching, who have the expertise in, in these different backgrounds. And we were lucky to kind of... You know, convey our, our vision and mission to these people and, and recruit them early on in our process. So we, we quickly found a couple of great people in the US and a couple of great people in, in Belgium to, to help us with the testing over the summer and that group of people actually grew um, uh, throughout the, the couple of months and there's, a, there's a, a good 10, 12 people around us right now that actually help us. Uh, that we get a lot of feedback from mm-hmm. uh, on a daily basis, actually. They're, they're, they're really active in, in the Slack channel, even when they're not getting paid, to be honest. So, okay, I was going to say, so, you, so you've set up a Slack channel, um, yeah. so lots of people know about Slack, but it's another kind of app, isn't it, that I've worked with clients on, and it's amazing because yeah. you know it enables a group to come together and to uh, to post things. Uh, and, and it sounds like so some of those are paid, but some of them aren't, and people are giving their time and are, are willing and able and and want to help. Yeah, they're very engaged. Yeah. I think there's a yeah, lot of people that are... The preventative healthcare space is a different space. Mm. And the biggest issue is how do you sell uh, preventing disease to someone who will never actually experience that disease? How yes. will they know you've prevented that? Um, and so that, it's a big issue in, in the industry. People mm. are finding ways around that. So everyone in this space is very engaged, very ambitious, very very positive about the outcomes and all clinging together to, to make it work, I would say. And so we found we were happy, lucky to, to find these people early on mm-hmm. and they helped us. And Slack, Slack is a way because we're a fully remote company. Uh, we have people in Seattle, mm. we have people in London, yes. we have people in LA, yes. we have people in Belgium. Mm. Um, and so you know, finding the expertise, you know, today is also difficult to find yeah. them in one, in one place. So Slack yeah. Helps with that, and this is not a commercial for Slack, by the way. Mm. But Slack, Slack makes that manageable. I've learned that in my tech company to to document everything that you do, uh, to have a decision-making process early on, 
the agile way of working I got from uh, my, my, my background in tech and I actually um, you know transported that to the healthcare and well-being space which is still very old school to be mm. honest today this business is still in in this in what they call the cliche disruption phase right? yes and, and so but getting these people in talking about the things that we're trying to think about or thinking about doing um, that helps to get feedback early on from people to yeah. find you know to find your tone of voice and to share what you're thinking about and also for it not just to be the two of you and the health coaches That's you exactly know and right. I think some of the feedback that I've had from some couplepreneurs and some which have sold their businesses nexted for you know lots of money and and done very well but in those early days all throughout they got so busy that actually one of the things you know had they had their time over again would have they they would have had a board or they would have gone to advisors they would have joined networking groups because they just didn't know what they didn't know and Mm. so I think having that group of people around you yeah must feel very good to be able to bounce ideas off to you know ask the silly you know right through to the terribly intelligent question or sometimes it's a new industry and we don't know what we don't know you know so um, what is the biggest challenge would you say in being a couplepreneur because we've talked about the, the, the secret to success. It's 24-7. Mm-hmm. And the, 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 the bigger risk is that at the end of the day, um, and, you know, when is the end of the day, um, mm-hmm. that you, you haven't talked about how are you feeling. You, you, you sometimes forget about, you know, doing things in your own space, in your own time. Uh, making time uh, for yourself is super, super important. And... Those are things we actively have to mm-hmm. remind ourselves about. Mm-hmm. Uh, doing things separately. You know, mm-hmm. four years ago we were pretty much living next to each other, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And then now you're twenty-four-seven mm-hmm. together, very passionate about what you're doing. There's always work, and because of the fact that we're a global company, and people are always on Slack, uh, mm-hmm. online, and at some point of the day. You could lose yourself in that. Mm. You went to a yoga class together this morning. Four years ago, five years ago, would that have happened? Would you have gone to a yoga class together? No. No. And I know that you're coming to you've you've come into London, you know, last night. But that's quite interesting, isn't it? The mm. the idea of even doing yeah. something like that that you just almost potentially take for granted now that you're going to go to yoga together. <laughs> it's so that's so interesting. Well, I, I I'm doing yoga since long time yes. I don't even remember when I started yes and um, yeah I think you start like one year ago yeah uh, but I nudged at you sometimes when we were on holidays yeah, you yeah. know and when I did my yoga teacher training and he was uh, also uh, one of my first <laughs> clients, <laughs> uh, clients. Pigs. Um, um, so but, but, uh, but interesting that some of the things that you would have done separately now emerging yeah. because you're kind of fitting stuff in or yeah. you're coming into London or you know just I just it just um, suddenly it suddenly struck me yeah. so so just so on that note you know where is your you know I like to talk about safe space or safe place and by that I don't mean necessarily secure but a place that you go to regenerate to regain sort of rest or you know you could be you could be moving fast or slow it could be physical it could be aspirational it could be spiritual um do you have a safe place where you go and spend time to to look after you for me it's the ocean 
into the ocean. Yeah, yeah. I, okay. I took up surfing um, just a little bit before we started traveling, but actively uh, wanted to learn how to surf. And, mm. uh, and so the places that we visit were not just places that had cacao, but also um, were great places <laughs> to surf. Um, so Mexico has great waves, mm. Costa Rica has great waves, LA obviously has great waves too. And for me, I reconnected with the ocean about four years ago and somebody told me, let's go surfing. And I was like, I don't know how to surf. And she was like, don't worry about it and take, take my friend's board. And the moment I entered the ocean, suddenly clicked for me. And you know, there's a, there's a thing about the ocean when you're a bit of a control freak or mm. your life is a lot about controlling people or managing people you're not controlling the ocean. No. The ocean is controlling you. Mm. Every wave is different. Mm. It's super hard, to be honest. Because every wave is different, and because once you think you got it, and then the next moment you don't have it, yes. it's kind of an addictive feeling, to be honest. But it gives you this calm, soothing feeling. I even go surfing now in the cold North Sea, um, and it's just one of the best feelings ever. When you get out, there's a big smile ear to ear every time. Yeah. And, uh, every time. So for me, being in the ocean is, is my place of regeneration. Mm. Yeah. And Morgan, what about you? I have different safe spots. Um, yeah, I, I love my kitchen. Mm. Uh, I love to cook healthy meals. My, my other safe spot is my yoga mat. I try to, to do every day or every two days, even if it's 10 minutes, mm. uh, some stretching, some yoga. Uh, I really feel it different uh, when I do it. And the, I, I love the beach. Uh, mm. Just to go to three of us, Jan in the sea, and uh, I'm on the beach with Richie, and we can play like the whole day. And uh, yeah, that's that's for me my safe haven. Mm. Um, thank you. And and when we talk about, you know, I suppose you're you're in kind of the mental and physical health space, aren't you? And I think with couplepreneurs being always on, like, I don't I don't think you necessarily need to be a couplepreneur to be always on in the in the world that we're living in. And there's often a sense that we're becoming kind of human doings as opposed to human beings. Mm. And so I'm I'm going to ask you actually because I think this is a really interesting question to to just rate your physical and mental health out of ten, where ten is high, where you think it is at the moment. At the moment, I'm always someone who needs to improve, uh, depending on, on, on the day, actually. But uh, just broadly, if you had to kind of say, well, out of, out of 10... Out of 10, I'm, I would be between 7 and 8, on, on physical and mental. Oh, on both of them? Yeah. yeah. And Jan, where, where would you be? I think physical, I'm 6. I still have a long way to go. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I'm benchmarking uh, my surfing ability right now. Maybe I'm even a 4, to be honest. In that term, um, I'm very stiff, and I need to become a lot more flexible, mm-hmm. and I'm, 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 you know, rebuilding my body. And, and mentally, I'm pretty strong. I think I'm some between a seven and an eight. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that will, you know, I will definitely say in two years I'm still a seven and an eight because I believe we can improve that. And mm-hmm. being a ten, like Morgan said, you can be a ten on a specific day and mm-hmm. be a six on another day. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Yeah. To be one day. And we don't want to sound too woo now, but it's it's definitely it's definitely uh, it depends on what day you are. And and to yeah. be honest, building that habit of waking up, even if you feel slightly off, saying to yourself like, okay, this is going to be a good day. What do we want? We visualize what we want to achieve. Like, mm-hmm. where are we going to be in five years? We mm-hmm. kind of speak out loud what we want to achieve. We visualize where we want to get to, very very specifically, and then you know that helps because it sets in motion positive train of thought. Mm-hmm. And that's really important. I can wake up 
very moody sometimes mm. and, and then uh, let myself slide into that, in that behavior mm-hmm. and the rest of the day I will be very moody and, and kind of short and then at the end of the day I realized yeah this is all me mm-hmm. and so mentally having the capacity to realize that you're there I think I'm at the seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's the real, so it's the realization of knowing Just, where yeah. you're at, and 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 potentially being able to shift that yeah. um, as well. Yeah, if you okay. can point it out. Yes. And create that awareness. Yeah, the awareness. I'm not a morning person. Okay. But since uh, since LA, we we ask each other, not every morning, but certainly every week, like, what are you grateful for? Yeah. And just to say it out loud. Yeah, you are motivated to getting out of bed because then mm. you know what you all have and, and, and things you can mm. work on. Just these little things mm. uh, that might help too. And what does breakfast entail? I need to ask the health coaches, what does breakfast entail? And I'm ready to take notes. For us, it's, um, it's something we look forward to. Okay. I was actually just talking to a client about breakfast and okay. she was explaining that you know before, uh, a couple of years ago for her, it was... Um, bread and some kind of chocolate, mm. be it a chocolate paste, or and she, then she transitioned to you know kefir and a little bit of fruit, and she said, "I'm now looking forward to that. I don't want that bread and mm-hmm. chocolate." And for us, it clicked with smoothie balls. Smoothie balls are like it's like a you know you, you put in a lot of vegetables, a mm-hmm. lot of fruits. It has all the daily fiber that you need mm. uh, and you start early on in the morning with that and it's super easy to make. Mm. You need a high-speed blender, but um, yeah, because before uh, you always skipped breakfast. <laughs> uh, for me, breakfast was always an important mm-hmm. um, part of the day. I, I never left uh, my house without having breakfast. Uh, but yeah, then uh, when I was a child, it was like, yeah, the... the the cereals, sugary, uh, sugary, sugary pastries, sugary, yeah. flakes, Absolutely. whatever, uh, bread with, with, with sugary. How did we survive uh, it? One, one wonders how we survived it all. We're not, but we actually, did. to be honest. <laughs> we're not surviving that. Yeah. To, to be honest, it, yeah. I don't want to you know, be, uh, become too, too negative about it, but uh, having years and years and years of sugar uh, input in, in our breakfast, it set us back. Uh, the life expectancy of some some groups of some age groups is actually declining. Uh, definitely in the boomer generation, it's mm-hmm. it's it's horrible to be honest, because the the, the knowledge about uh, sugar and and definitely nutrition in general was pretty low back then, and it's still pretty pretty yes. low. And, and and you create these habits, and the sugar rush comes in. You know, it revolves throughout the day. So you get you know yeah, at 10 a.m. you're hungry again. And you grab a snack and it's mostly containing some sort of sugar and then at 12 you're hungry again, at 2 you're hungry again. So you get your insulin levels higher, blood sugar gets high and then, so that generates chronic disease, it generates mm. inflammation, mm. chronic inflammation, mm. which is actually, we know, number one reason for disease today yes. and death. We learned to make the smoothie balls in Costa Rica and that was life-changing mm. um, because, uh, yeah, we, we're always looking forward to, to make our smoothie ball in the morning. Mm-hmm. It's just frozen fruit you put in, in the freezer uh, and then you add uh, vegetables such as spinach, kale, avocado. It's really good to feed your gut microbiome because mm-hmm. your, your gut health is really important for your mood and how, how you feel. So yeah, we start the day with a lot of fruits and veggies and even our, our gut eats it because sometimes I, I hear parents like, yeah, my, my, my children, they don't want to eat that. It's almost like a dessert. You need that to teach yeah, them yeah, young. Absolutely. You just, if you teach them young, then yeah, he loves it. And mm. he does, he's not even aware that there's spinach mm. uh, okay. or okay in it yeah. uh, because you don't taste it. And then you can have you can add toppings uh, such as cacao nibs or hemp seeds or granola, mm. uh, peanut butter, almond butter, whatever. 
uh, yeah, it's a good skip part of the day. So. And what's your what's your snack du jour? You know, if we if we go, if we're trying to get away from anything that's you know laden with sugar. From the health coaches, what would you recommend to us? I used to snack a lot, but the last two, three years, I don't snack anymore. But okay. when I'm really craving, I make sure that I always have dark chocolate or almond nuts uh, mm. close by. Because otherwise, if you don't have these, then it's really easy to yes. just buy some unhealthy snacks. There's a thing, like there's two types of people. I can you know, give you a little bit of story to find out who you mm. are. There's mm. actually four in the story. If you bring in a cake into a meeting, Yes. There's four types of yes. people. First one mm-hmm. um, will get the, a piece of the cake immediately and stuff their mouth. Second one will be distracted the whole meeting, almost being pissed off at the cake, and then eventually probably takes a piece of the cake. Third one uh, doesn't even notice the cake, and, and the fourth one just might you know, um, grab a piece of the cake but just not, never knows about it, actually. And so there's two types of people in that story, the people that are actually always hungry, and the people that are just not, you know, don't care about food that much. Both of us are really in the first group. Mm. <laughs> Our kid is in the first group too. Okay. It's genetically uh, okay. defined. And if you have that, you're always hungry. Yeah. You're always hungry. You need to build strategy around it. For a lot of people, it's making sure that you don't have anything in the house. Just get everything out. Um, yes. For us, that works. When we get something in, we'll eat it, to yes. be honest. Um, yes. And so if you have then a little bit of dark chocolate, and we like it really dark, and some nuts, and okay. it's not easy. You know, people don't realize mm. how much stuff they have in the fridge, how mm. much stuff they have in the cupboards, mm. handy. And in this world of kind of abundance, it's just like a one-button click. They get mm. ice cream delivered at your doorstep. Whilst you're still early on in your journey, is there any one thing that you would have liked to have known when starting out? Yeah, we've, we've, we've done a good job at talking to our customer early on. And then you have this whole vision and idea, and then you you sometimes digress and you lose focus. Um, so you, you, when you start out, you, you give up, you've got probably have a good idea of what the market looks like, and then there's these things that come on on your path, and, and you make a lot of decisions. And it's good to kind of to kind of still come back to: is this still what we want to do? Is this still um, helping us? Is this still moving us towards the goal that we set out uh, to mm. do? And so. Uh, making sure that what you're building is actually helping the people and that the people that you're helping need what you're building to remind you of that and to check in are we building something that people really need that's something you, you need to do you, know, you need to be relentless about mm. that and you know there's a couple of months that we, we probably didn't think about that enough and so you digress into uh, building something for people that might need it but it, there's no sense of urgency and so they're less mm. inclined to open up their wallets and to mm. buy the product that you're selling the service yes. that you're selling so that's something i think if we would have somebody told us that on a daily basis or remind ourselves of that on a daily basis yes. it would have helped us to, to go even a little bit more uh, yes. faster and what would you tell to what would you tell an aspiring couplepreneur just do it <laughs> just do yeah. it you know, look, look, there's a couple of things you need to take into account. The best couples or best co-founders are complementary to each other in terms of personality, I would say. Mm-hmm. We do personality testing in our program because it teaches us how you learn. We found out that we're very complementary. We have very extreme We knew, profiles. we knew. Mm. But then, yeah, it's really when you work together, you really realize that, yeah, you're not the same and uh, mm. you have other ideas and... and, and I'm more the operational side of, of the business and you're more the strategical side of the business and that's, that's, that's good. 
mm. uh, because otherwise if you would be just to the same persons then yeah if you focus on the same more difficult things. to mm. get things done yeah um, clear roles writing them down how you make decisions can't stress this enough how you make decisions is really important mm. even if you're a small business because as a couple it's easy definitely when you don't have people working with you mm. to make decisions on a you know, minute basis mm. uh, but documenting your decisions and that's something you know, Daniel Kahneman actually has done a lot of work on and how you feel about those decisions so we keep a decision journal uh, to look at um, what, what have we decided and then set a review date to look at you know did it mm -hmm. work out that we mm -hmm. the way that we, we thought it would work out setting up structure early on I would say is, is, is very 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 uh, helpful and also get outside help so yes, we I eat know. our own yeah. dog food and I got you know recently got a coach um, and it, it only just from the couple of first sessions that I had with my coach um, learned so much about myself mm. and that's what a coach, coach does it's very simple what a coach mm. does coach takes you from A to B and B is the goal that you set out for yourself mm. and instead from going to C, D, E, F or G your coach reminded you that you set out to go to B and you know holds you a little bit of accountable and mm. helps you think through and the coach always has you know tells that you have all the right answers in, in yourself yes but getting some outside counseling early yes. on I think that's a really good yeah. idea too mm -hmm. brilliant and you also mentioned I think early on in in our in our interview about just having that spreadsheet there's a whole host of ways that people come together and I think one of the big things is ensuring that if you are going to jump off and leave your jobs that you know you know it sounds simple and easy but you absolutely know what the outgoings are and you know if you're about to do something new what it's going to take to fund it and and you know a couple of Renard's daughter recently said you know one of the things that they wish they'd known was that you know it was going to it was always going to cost more money and somebody else was saying it took us so much longer before we made a profit mm -hmm. you know so we were we were we were having big revenues but actually the cost base you know was probably too high too soon to you know just to be aware of of, of of what is coming in and what is going out which is you know sounds simple and very practical but it is one of the most pragmatic things when when you, you're adding kind of that extra stress if you like by embarking and working together which is a phenomenal thing a wonderful thing because I think the strength of the two of you coming together is huge but it's just making sure that you're thinking ahead isn't it on the yeah. pragmatic Times. And it's like you said, um, you need a business plan for sure. Um, you need to, to, to have an Excel sheet where, you know, with some numbers in, but you need to take into account that everything will change. Mm. Even your business model will change. Definitely mm -hmm. the first phase, it's kind of finding what your business model is basically. And so you need, you need to take into account how much money you have. But you also, like you said, you're underestimating a lot of things, a lot of costs. Uh, your accountants for, for one. Impatience. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah. it's good to have like uh, it's good to have like um, you know we're both a bit of a quantified self type of people. Uh, it's good to quantify early on, and then to 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 come back to that regularly and see like how far can we jump with this? And we we know how far we can jump with the money that we have. We're mm. self funded mm -hmm. um, at the moment, and we have some money, but. Uh, we, we know that you know we have to make it work we have to do the sales and it brings you back to what you actually have to do yes and make sure that then that's definitely i come from a sales and marketing background but selling is more important than getting funding i would say mm. because selling will, t will tell you what's wrong or what's good about your business mm. what people like and that's the only thing that matters early on in a business can you actually sell 
your product? Can you actually sell your service? And uh, the people that need it, what do they tell you? And so getting to product market fit is all about how, you know, asking your question, what if we cut out our service? Who would scream? Like mm. who would mm. you know, be devastated that we don't, that we don't exist anymore? And then laser focusing on those people. Yes. And, and you know, having a business plan helps you with you know, looking at how much money you need to, to get to these people, how much money you, can, you need to, to build out some marketing, some content, your product, um, and it's helping you to kind of see like, okay, we need to do the sales, we need to make sure that the, the revenue is coming in, so even if you don't go for an external round, you know, how many sales mm. you have to do, how far you can jump. Yeah, and we talked about you having your Slack, so in terms of people and those people that you've sort of wrapped yourself around, you've got your Slack uh, number of advisors, has there been any particular book or podcast if there's any any anybody that you're listening to or that you've read that has really helped you in your journey to get to where you are so far yeah in terms of reading the book i would highly recommend um, is thinking fast and slow was uh, by daniel kahneman and uh, they they won a Nobel prize with the, he co-authored the, the book um, and it's actually it shows uh, shows you how we think and how we make decisions and the basic concept of the book explains that we have system one brain that is really intuitive and makes decisions really fast and then you have a system two brain uh, that is more analytical and uh, is more for difficult difficult decisions or difficult mathematical problems mm. and explains to how you know we're really bad at uh, guessing and our intuition is actually most of the time misleading us because of a lot of cognitive biases that we have and a lot of heuristics simplifying the, the world around us that we do and so he showed me early on that everyone around us is making up stories about themselves and making stories about mm. the real world and you know switching that second brain is what he calls it system two brain on it's not easy but uh, there's ways you can do it you know help you think about is this really what what is real is this really a, a possible outcome is this really a decision that is going to to help me and so that book was kind of instrumental for me to to, to understand how we as humans operate and the thing Daniel Kahneman says is we cannot de-bias ourselves and the reason why organizations work is because it makes the decision-making process a little bit slower and contrary to much belief that making that decision process a little bit slower helps you to overcome some bias that most of us have and mm. that probably we don't even see because of our own belief systems. Yes. So that book for me was instrumental um, because you know the coach does exactly that. Yes. He, he switches on your second your system to yeah. your brain. He helps you, you know, consider some of the decisions that you're making, uh, reflect, uh, you know, put you, you know, puts up a mirror in front of you, and, mm. and and that's really hard. And it's it's you know theoretically uh, it's impossible to debias yourself, uh, but I practically I've also realized that. And so this book is is a really great book. It can be a little bit hard, mm. and there's there's a couple of great podcasts you know that have Daniel Kahneman on, uh, Farnham Street uh, is a really good one um, with Krista Tippett. Okay. Uh, which is a really great podcast about psychology. Both of these podcasts have Daniel Kahneman on and it shows his thinking process yes. about it. And for me, podcasting has been my main source of, of knowledge and information, and information for the, the past eight years. I was kind of early on uh, catching on to podcasts and we have to give some credit to Tim Ferriss, who was for me kind of a big inspiration because it was yeah. the first time you know, I was listening to my heroes, people that built big tech companies mm. and hearing about their stories and 
you know, it's long form content. Some of his podcasts are three hour long. He jumps from left to right. It's very high quality. It's a, the, the stories are great. It, it shows you that everyone's, you know, real. Everyone's a human with their own anxieties and their own mm -hmm. ambition. And that was one of the first people that really inspired me to think about there's more in, in life than, than what I'm doing right now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's because of Jan I, I learned to, to listen to podcasts. Uh, well, for me, a, a life-changing book was the book of Brené Brown. Yes. I read her, her book during my maternity leave. And then I realized, like, okay, I need to do things in another way. Every time when I listen, even if it's for 10 minutes or 15 minutes when I'm in, in the car and I listen to a podcast, it's always something that is, uh, keep, me, uh, keep me going uh, and thinking about things. We're, we're, I think, forever learning as we're getting older, but particularly as you're going to a new market, that's so important for you, isn't it? And surrounding yourself by experts be it on slack or be it you know through a podcast or through a book or you know friends and family is mm -hmm. is just kind of vital isn't it you know yeah. as as you go forward from yeah. here mm. and what does the future hold mm. yeah we we're, we realized we're you know you have to ask yourself a, a big question are you building like a lifestyle business or are you building a brand that you know a bigger company that wants to make some some impact in, yes. in a topic that you're passionate about and the way I'm talking about this uh, it's probably clear that we, we do want to have some impact and you know, you know we believe that making health accessible easy and, and, and definitely fun is going to be instrumental to getting people's attention to this mm -hmm. and to, to you know this ever-growing problem so for us everything that we do is always about is this easy and is this fun so going forward in five years we, we'd love to have you know, build a business that helped a lot of people. We have a, a specific number of people that we want to help this year, but in the, in the next five years, it, it's you know, it's a, it's a decent amount of people that mm. we want to help, uh, even if it's directly or indirectly. Yes. Um, making a big impact in, in 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 that space, making it accessible at some point. Uh, I always compare what we're doing to the, the Tesla model. We're building a roadster, maybe a Tesla Model S right now, but at some point, what does the, the Model 3 look like? And mm -hmm. maybe there's a Model 1 at this moment that doesn't look like that. But, but what, what can we do to democratize this? And everyone's kind of talking about getting high-ticket coaching clients in. That's a great business. But we also want to bring this to rural areas. How can we get the people of Ohio think about changing their behaviors? And if you think about these people, it has to be really engaging, has to be really fun. So we're looking at gamification. You know, games are one of the only things in life that get us into a state of flow almost in a couple of seconds. Mm. And so we can learn a lot from these. And so we're looking at how can we implement the, the, the game design principles, game dynamics, mechanics, and aesthetics in building a better service, in building a better product. So that's a very, very uh, big focus of us right now. And also, how can we find the customer and really help the customer that really needs us today and laser focusing on them. Those are the big, I would say, things mm -hmm. that keep us up at night right mm. now. Definitely me. And have a great team of people mm. uh, working for the for the company but that are really engaged and, and like to do their jobs and also have flexibility to arrange how they work. Mm. Um, I think that's also really important. It is an emerging business and everybody's coming in with different tool sets and different skill sets and we want to help you know, build a platform that allows them to improve those skill sets, learn new things mm. and also build a career 
um, mm. in our company, not just in our company, but they can build their own businesses and, and do some, you know, you know, 20 hours a week with us. Yes. Uh, you know, we have uh, somebody who's training to become a debt doula. And end of life okay. kind of is a really interesting topic wow. because you learn what people feel sorry about they didn't do more. And so that kind of experience bringing in that to a 25-year-old, 40-year-old, uh, you know, getting that experience in and, and seeing that it's more about human connection mm. than it's about material stuff, that really helps. So, you know, allowing people to build a career on, in, in the business that we're building is kind of a, one of our you know, prime goals, to be honest. Mm. Yeah. And my final question is, what would you tell your 15-year-old self? And part of the reason I've kind of changed that from asking people what would you tell your 21-year-old self is because I think kids today are living through so much and the the social media and the platforms and the speed mm-hmm. um, and the way that they're learning is very different mm-hmm. to, you know, as, uh, you know, as I'm about to turn, you know, I'll be 52 by the time this podcast goes out. So I come from a, a different world, but yet I'm still having to be that human being as well, you know, as well as being the human doing and learning and, and keeping up with everything. So yeah, what would you tell your 15 year old self? I would say chill out, don't worry too much, okay. to be honest. Um, yeah. uh, think about your, your health. Uh, I, was, I was pretty active back then, but um, jumping left and right, never focusing on anything. Mm-hmm. So I tried every type of sport, every time. And it was re- really hard to focus for me. So I would mm. encourage to maybe stick with something. My parents were very you know, allowing and, and, and had, we had a, a pretty free uh, childhood in terms of what we wanted to do. But maybe sticking with with something a little bit longer, just mm. to figure out if you could become good at it, mm. that would have maybe helped me a little bit to see like I can become like good at something and, and really enjoy it mm. before dropping off again and trying something new. But I'm not sure if that's really what I would have done, even if somebody told yeah. me that. But but wonderful now that you're you're almost doing that with your surfing. Yeah, aren't yeah, you? yeah. yeah um, it's it's definitely something. You need, you need to set long-term yes. goals. You're not yes. going to be surfing. Definitely when you start at a later yeah. age, you're not going to be surfing pretty well in the first two, yeah. three years. Yeah. It, there's a lot of effort and, mm. and, and consistency you need mm. to build. Mm. It's never too late to learn. Yeah. That's it. Um, and what about you, Morgan? Uh, well, I, I think I would say, like, find your passion mm-hmm. and learn to be patient. I found my passion when I was 23. And then I discovered I liked to cook I uh, dive deeper into healthy cooking and when you are young it's like you may be influenced by friends or your parents to do this or that and you don't think so much about yeah what what do I really like to do and which skills do I need to really be good Mm. and what I like to do and Mm. Yeah, yeah, find your passion. That's that's mm. what I would say to a fifteen-year-old. But honestly, to be, I think it's really difficult because that age is all about exploring. Yes. So exploring as much as you can yes. is crucial. Yes. Um, there's a really great book by David Epstein called Range, and he compares the specialist to the generalist. And what he found out is that a specialist can become really good at something, but like uh, you know, generalists, uh, it's interesting because they. They gather a lot of different uh, skill sets, and then after, when they come to a sport or to a certain industry, they use the different skill sets to become really good at what they do. Mm. And so, and they probably enjoy a little bit more the process and and, mm. and the thing that they're doing. He compares uh, Rafael Nadal with Federer, who was actually uh, he came very you know he was late to playing mm. tennis, 
mm-hmm. uh, and playing it professionally and actually became, you know, went on and become you know, the best tennis player. And I know that may, that may be blasphemy here in the UK. He, he uses different skill sets and mm-hmm. comes with, with a backpack full of different mm-hmm. experiences. And so, you know, maybe I, that's because I'm a generalist, I'm saying that, but um, I think getting, getting as much experience getting as much, um, you know, in travel a bit more, which mm. is definitely what I've learned later on in life, um, is, is the best advice you can get as a 15-year-old. Yeah. And I think playing, being oh. able to play yeah. and be curious and yeah. almost not hone in on having to be the specialist um, yeah. and not having to think, what are you going to do with your life, is yeah. is so important. And, you know, and, and here you two are, you know, in your 30s, on a completely different path now to yeah. the ones that you were, you know, in the corporate world, you know, be that tech or be that in mm-hmm. HR. So, OK, brilliant. So I want to say a huge thank you to you. It's been wonderful to, I think, just feel like I'm almost on the journey with you and it's because it's so new Mm. and there's lots of agility lots of listening to clients you know lots of bravery and being hugely courageous but doing absolutely the right thing in jumping off and selling the house and going out to the states and to Mexico and to Costa Rica and taking Richie to places that um, perhaps other kids will never go thank you hugely for your time today What a journey they've been on so far. I love how Jan and Morgan are really helping people live their best lives and that they believe getting healthy should incite joy by making it easy and fun. Bring it on, I say, and we wish them huge amounts of continued success. And in our next episode, we go to New York City to meet Salisha Kankaria and Anub Shah from With Clarity and they are disrupting the engagement ring business in such a huge way and growing at a truly phenomenal rate. So we very much look forward to sharing Salisha's and Anub's journey with you on Between the Spreadsheets very soon. Mm